favorite yeah. fucking story. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. So this guy was a comedian that we both know. I, I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people out there would know him. It doesn't matter. But uh, he's the one who told me this story that he, he moved into a new place in West Hollywood where they have a lot of, I don't know if they'd call them townhouses, but they're like duplexes and they're all like, I don't know, two or three stories high. And uh, I guess the place that he moved into, his place was one story higher than all the other places. So if you looked out, all you saw was the roof of the place next door. He did, And he, he just moved in. He didn't have any drapes or anything. And he's got the light on and he gets a call from his girlfriend and he starts... Uh, having phone sex and I, Oh yeah. And it was dark outside. So he's, uh, you know, starts doing his thing. Pants come down, starts jerking off, and then <laughs> goes all the way and finishes and grabs like a Kleenex or something like that. And all of a sudden he hears like a, like a distant crowd of people just going, Oh, <laughs> and he's like, what in the fuck? And he and he kind of like his eyes focus on the window and adjust and then he looks out and he sees that there's an entire party going on on the roof and <laughs> the building right next to his. So it's like he never thought, well, the roof, like, yeah. as you figure, <laughs> but apparently they've got a barbecue and they've got all these people and they're all watching him. Thank you. Thank you. Gentlemen and guns. Hey, guys, switching it up a little bit this week. I thought I'd lead in with something engaging. I know Ari does that, and I always enjoyed it. And I was like, eh, it takes too much work. But I was like, this story's so great. I thought we'd lead with it so that you knew how great this podcast was going to be. This is literally just two comics hanging out, swapping stories, talking about friends. And, and it really is fun as crap. I love this guy. Um, uh, and it's not Doug Stanhope's dog, just in case you're curious. Henry is a stand up Henry Phillips is a stand up comic. He's got a movie called Punching Henry on Netflix. He had a movie called Punching the Clown before that, which you might have caught with I think was on Netflix. But he is absolutely fantastic. He does we talk about all this and so I won't spoil it. But uh, but I thought, yeah, I'd tease it with that story because it's one of my favorite stories ever. And there are probably twenty more of those. And we start telling our favorite jokes, and at one point I talk about Jason Dixon in Richmond, and I don't remember the joke in the podcast, but I was just in Richmond last week, and I ran into Jason, and he gave me the joke, and uh, this is the joke. I'll see if I can if I can recite it to you. It's by John Pinney, J-O-H-N-P-I-N-N-E-Y. If you guys can get in touch with him, dude, this guy had so many great jokes. This is just my favorite one. Comedy is all about common denominators, finding the things that all make us laugh. It's like when you go to an Asian restaurant and the one guy says, hey, I got an idea. We'll all order different dishes and we'll all sample off of each other's. And then he orders hummingbird dicks. And there you are with no Mugu guy pan, but there's a big old plate of hummingbird dicks just sitting there staring at you. That's the joke. I absolutely love that joke. I hope, John Penny, if you hear this, I did it justice. Um, but, yeah. Uh, anyway, we got some tour dates coming up, a couple sponsors, and uh, and then we'll start the podcast. So, uh, tour dates, real quick. Do not fast forward, you sons of bitches. Just hear me out. This will take two seconds. Omaha Funny Bone, the 31st of March and the 1st of April. Then Wise Guys Comedy, the 13th, 14th, and 15th of April. Stand Up Huntsville. Stand Up Live in Huntsville on the 20th. Followed by the Wild West Comedy Festival. And we are doing a call-in sick-to-work show that week. 
that is pretty special. I will tell you it's a change of things, and it's going to be big, and it's going to be crazy. And if the deal goes through, uh, I think it'll be special for everyone, including myself, and we can share it with everybody. Yuck Yucks Calgary the week after that, and then Detroit. We are doing the Crowfoot Ballroom the 4th of May. I didn't even think to do the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo. But Cinco de Mayo, I'm going to be at the Cincinnati Funny Run. I'm going to try to get in early so I can go do Kid Chris's show on the morning of the 5th. Crapshoot Comedy Festival on the 19th in Vegas. Cobb's Comedy Club, the 9th, 10th. And then Sacramento, the 11th of June. Kansas City, Orlando. Cherokee Casino, Columbus Funny Bone, Pittsburgh, Hilarities. Houston, Stand Up Live in Phoenix. Addison, I took a sleeping pill 10 minutes ago. Hopefully it doesn't kick in before this read is over. Helium, D.C., Tacoma, comic strip, possibly Australia. We just got an email about that yesterday. And, uh, oh, you know what? Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is a product this family uses. I love Blue Apron. I love Blue Apron because they send you fresh ingredients, the exact amount you'll need, directly to your doorstep in a cooler. You can throw it in the fridge. You're not on some time crunch to make it immediately. You got like five days to wait, and it's perfect. You know, the the thing that's cool about Blue Apron is that I've noticed in our family. When we make a Blue Apron dinner, we all sit down and eat dinner together. And the girls are willing to try things they wouldn't normally try. I don't know if it's because it's from from Blue Apron or if it's because they saw me make it. And by the way, these meals take no time to make. The other day, Leanne was uh, going to get Isla over at, uh, at play practice. And I started the meal before she left. Play practice is maybe like 10 blocks away. She picked her up, came back, and it was done. And when I say fresh ingredients, they had ginger in there that I had never seen ginger look like before. You didn't have a whole head of cabbage. You had a quarter of a head of cabbage, the exact amount of ingredients, so there's no waste, which is fantastic, especially if you're a hipster and you're into that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. You don't have nine heads of broccoli in your fridge like, shit, man, I think I overdid it on the broccoli. And there's no measuring. You know, you just yeah. cut that and dump it or open the packet and dump it. If you're obsessive compulsive like me, when you do the soy glaze, you end up uh, taking your quarter uh, cup of water and pouring it into the remnants of the soy glaze jar and then shaking it up and dumping it into the the chicken. It was fantastic. It was really good. It was really great. And the girls love it. And today I'm a little angry about this, but... Um, uh, the Georgia and Isla made a fucking Blue Apron by themselves. Leanne did a little chopping for them, but I wanted to be here for it. But it was so cool that the girls could do it by themselves. And if the girls can do it, then you can do it. That's how easy it is. The, the food, very quickly, is – I have to say this because this is important. Um, the seafood sourced sustainably under the standards developed by the partnership of the Monterey Bay Seafood Aquarium – uh, I think I misread that because I'm dyslexic. The beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and the produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. I just looked up what that was. Regenerative farming basically means uh, they like recycle the topsoil and, and the roots and stuff, which is good because I guess there's something where you dig too deep and you kind of ruin the soil. I don't know. All I know is you can promise that the ingredients you get are fresh uh, and clean and not steroided up and 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 junked up so check them out blue apron um some of the 
meals they've got coming up. Salmon piccata with orzo broccoli. That's going to be a home run in this house. Vegetable chili baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. That's one I'll make by myself and hide from the family. (laughs) Spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. I love that they incorporate cabbage. You can steal from Blue Apron. When they tell you how to make like pork chops with miso butter and bok choy with marinated apple. Let me tell you something. How many times do you get a pork chop and fuck it up and go, that was really dry? Well, after Blue Apron, I will never miscook a breast of chicken in a pan ever in my life. All you got to do is, I'm not telling you, get Blue Apron and you'll find out how to cook it. The meals are easy, like I said, in 30 minutes or less, 40 minutes or less, the, uh, and, and affordable. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients that make delicious home-cooked meal Enough of that. If I haven't sold you, you don't have a tongue. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. With free shipping, go to blueapron.com slash BERTCAST, B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T, BERTCAST. You're going to love how it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's right. Did I mention three free meals? That's three free meals. That is technically 12 free dishes you will get. 12 free dishes. Go to blueapron.com slash birdcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Not a better mother. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stamps.com is another product this family uses. We've been using it long before I was aware we were using it. We started using it when we started selling T-shirts. And I remember one time saying something about Stamps.com, like because I heard a promo code on another podcast. And I said to my wife, you know, we should use Stamps.com. She's like, dummy, we've been using Stamps.com for like eight months. And I was like, shut up. And she said, literally she said, um, it's so easy. It's a thumb click away. It is, I mean, you can pre-weigh, you got the scale or something, you can pre-weigh your thing and then put it on and then bam, you're you're halfway out the door. Who wants to wait at the post office? This is all stuff she said in real life. Who wants to wait at the post office? Who wants to wait in line? I mean, nothing against the post office, but I don't want to wait in line. I'd rather just do my business and kill it. And with kids, I do a lot of that stuff at night. So I couldn't possibly go to the post office and it, function in my schedule but you know the cool thing is stamps.com is kind of partnered with the united states postal service so all of your packages are actually being delivered and carried through the usps which is cool too yeah so you're not you're not you're not getting one over on the mailman who's nice we had a nice one now yes we do. We, we had a dick before yes but he didn't work for stamps.com and by the way he also inherited money from his mom so he had a ton of money so am i right yes yeah and he was still a jerk just so unfriendly but that's that's neither here nor there. My point is on stamps.com it is it, it just makes everything simple. You know, so many of us, myself included, all my friends, all my best friends included, and a lot of my college friends start independent businesses. I got a friend with a company called Pit Paste. She makes her own deodorant and ships it out. She uses stamps.com. And I just think that's the beauty of today's business is you get a company like stamps.com, then you get an idea and they help you facilitate your idea and make it easier. 
And it's not just for people with online businesses. This is for personal use. Also, you don't have to go to the post office at all. Christmas, you got gifts you want to ship out? Stamps.com. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is right around the corner. Do you have some sombreros and muchachas? Not muchachas. What, what a movie am I in? You know what I'm talking about. Stamps.com. You don't have to go to the post office and wait in line at all. Does that make sense? Yes, it's absolutely true. And, you know, they don't only do – they also do international shipping. That was what – the thing that blew me away. You were like – when we first started talking to Stamps.com, Leanne's like, oh, my God. We use them for international – I mean, international shipping is through the roof. It's amazing because uh, when we started using Stamps.com, you could not do digital custom forms through the post office. I'm not sure if you can or not now because we have just been using Stamps.com for six years. So if you send something internationally, you can fill out your customs form right all at the same time and slap the sticker on your package and put it in your mailbox and put your flag up and you're done. That is fantastic. It's amazing. It's if really you've amazing. worn a machine shirt, if you've worn a marshmallow shirt, if you've worn a Brown Friday calling sick to work shirt, of if you've read my book and it was signed from me, baby, we use stamps.com. Yes. And that is that is the truth. So couldn't run our business without it. Literally couldn't run our, our business without it. And so uh here's a special offer. Right now, use my name, Bert, for this special offer. That's B-E-R-T. A four-week trial. That includes postage and a digital scale. Do you hear what I said? A four-week trial. If you have a dream, this is how you start that online business. A four-week trial. Stamps.com is investing in your business. A four-week trial. Postage and a digital scale? Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Bert. That's stamps.com. Remember, click on the radio microphone on the top of the homepage and type in Bert. That's stamps.com. Enter Bert. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. And that is officially it for sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, start the podcast. Today's guest. From Punching Henry, Doug Stanhope loved him so much he named his dog after him, Henry Phillips. This is Let's get us down to reasonable recording levels. Check one. Okay. I think if we're both at five or six, we'll be fine. Talk again. Check one, testing one, Fantastic. two. Fantastic. Yeah. We're recording. Dude, All right. It's so good to have you. Yeah, man. Thanks it for really having is. me. I, you know, I was telling Leanne, she goes, uh, who's your podcast with today? I go, Henry Phillips. She's like, do I know him? And I said, you, I probably showed him, showed you something of his. And she's like, explain him. And I was like, I go, really? You know, the the only definition that I can think of is the one you used in Punching Henry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is a, a rambling troubadour. Yeah, exactly. And I said, I said, he's a guy who does the road, but he lives in L.A. He's not like he's, I go, you wouldn't call him a road comic. He's just a comic. And then I go, the best way to describe him for you, for my wife to whatever, I go, Doug Stanhope's dog is named Henry Phillips. <laughs> yeah, and she went, go. oh, I get it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the coolest. That's hilarious. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, that was hilarious. Doug, uh, well, Doug used to bring me out as his opener all the time for years. 
and it's pretty hard not to feel like you're you're definitely one of his subordinates when you're hanging out uh, with Doug. And I mean, he's that got, in a he's good got way. A, I mean, he's, he's, got a real... he's just such a master of his craft, you know. Yeah, and he knows the road so well, you know. So back in '99, you know, I was always that's that's when I we did the first gigs in Houston. You know, he brought me to the Houston Laugh Stop, and that was a great scene, insane. And uh, yeah, at one point, uh, this is a few years later, but Doug calls me up and he's like, "Hey." uh we found a fucking dog underneath the house and uh, we're going to call him Henry Phillips. Bye. <laughs> it's just like, all right. And it's been hilarious because like, there's so many people that just, that know Doug's whole family and his dog. And, uh, they just know the dog they don't even know that there's a guy. And every once in a while, it'll be the source of confusion. Like on Twitter, I just saw Henry Phillips on drunk history and, he was trashed or whatever, and people were like, what? The dog is trashed on TV? What's going on? So it's hilarious. Yeah, Doug has a real, um, I think the word's enigmatic. Yeah. Like personality. Mm-hmm. Like he, there's things, you know, the, I, I, I'm I, not like this with everybody, but like there are things I would do. Like I'm doing a casino. I shouldn't announce this, but <laughs> I'm doing a casino, and then Doug's like, let's do something together. Yeah. I was like, okay. Like, but the very, very few comics that I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm on what would be a day off. No, let yeah. me, I get, but I love, I love hanging out with him. You know, he's oh, just yeah, got yeah, such he's... a great, you know, and everyone, you know, I think Barry Katz would, would describe Doug as having a dark energy. I don't see it as dark. No, I don't think so at all. Yeah. I, it's, I think he has a dark energy. <laughs> <laughs> I've only met him a couple of times, but uh, but I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that either. But uh, yeah, no, I I think Doug's a fun loving, uh, loves to laugh. I mean, yeah, for, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people that have been doing comedy so long forget how to laugh. You know, and Doug is a fantastic laugher. I said to someone the other day, I was doing an interview, and I said, you know, I didn't get into comedy because I liked the riddle of it. Like yeah. the 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 math of it, mm-hmm. uh, like figuring out a joke. I didn't get in comedy because I wasn't popular in high school, and yeah. I have a vendetta against those guys. <laughs> yeah. I said I got into comics. I really love laughing. I love, yeah. and I like it was one of the my favorite. It was the other thing I told my wife. I said one of the coolest things ever was we were in Dayton and you were playing Wiley's oh, yeah. at the Funny Bone. And I think you just texted me, and you're like, we should do lunch. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we'd, I think we'd run into each other, but never like hung out. Yeah. And you're like, bring your feature, I'll bring mine. Yeah. And we'll just sit and talk. That's right. That was a great time. We went to that killer place that had the the opposite of health food, but it was really good. Oh, it was fantastic. And you told me my favorite story, one of my favorite <laughs> stories I've ever heard. Which one was up? Which one was that one again? The one about uh, our friend Mike. I won't say his last name. I oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, again. that was good. <laughs> that was the best story. I'll tell it right now. Yeah, this is my favorite yeah. fucking story. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. So this guy was a comedian that we both know. I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people out there would know him. It doesn't matter. But uh, he's the one who told me this story that he, he moved into a new place in West Hollywood where they have a lot of, I don't know if they'd call them townhouses, but they're like duplexes and they're all like... I don't know, two or three stories high. And uh, I guess the place that he moved into, his place was one story higher than all the other places. So if you looked out, all you saw was the roof of the place next door. He did, And he, he just moved in. He didn't have any drapes or anything. And he's got 
the light on and he gets a call from his girlfriend and he starts uh, having phone sex. And I, oh yeah, and it was dark outside, so he's, uh, you know, starts doing his thing. Pants come down, starts jerking off, and then goes all the way and finishes and grabs like a Kleenex or something like that. And all of a sudden, he hears like a like a distant crowd of people just going ah, oh! <laughs> and he's like, "What in the fuck?" And he and he kind of like his eyes focus on the window and adjust, and then he looks out and he sees that there's an entire party going on on the roof. <laughs> And the building right next to his. So it's like he never thought, well, the roof, like, as you figure, (laughs) apparently they've got a barbecue and they've got all these people and they're all watching him. He's like, what in the fuck? And then he just like immediately dives for the light and then he gets on the floor and he's just like, God (laughs) damn. And he said like, as he lived in that place for like years after that. And every time he would go out on the balcony to like have a cigarette or something, he would hear somebody from the building next to his just like whispering like that's the fucking dude oh that's the best yeah (laughs) that's my favorite that guy that one guy has the best stories ever oh yeah come here priscilla come over here don't bother him um this is priscilla (laughs) oh nice yeah she's uh she's big and she looks mean but she's a a pup oh yeah all good do you have a dog uh, I, I don't know, but we always grew up with dogs, so. I'm trying to figure out what she's smelling on you. <laughs> come here, Briss. Come here. Probably, uh, my girlfriend's got cats, so you might smell Where are you that. living right now? I live in, uh, Olympic and Crescent Heights, so like a little south of the Melrose Improv there. Oh, nice. Kind of near the Grove and all that. Yeah, that guy, that one guy, and I don't want, I don't want to say his name only because, yeah. because <laughs> yeah. he's, but he has he the He probably best. would be fine with it. I think he's knows. totally yeah. fine. Yeah. He said one time he was doing Last Comic Standing. Did I yeah. tell you this? Oh, no, I don't know this one. And he's like, he was, he called me and I was at the Grove and he's like, uh, he's like, hey, what, uh, <laughs> he goes, what, what, what advice can you give me? I'm going in for my primary interview. And I said, just don't shut up. I go, don't, yeah. don't like, don't, it's not a Barbara Walters interview. They want people that are going to just fucking tell everything. And he's like, really? <laughs> this I is go, already a great setup for a story. <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, really? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't shut up. And I go, and be vulnerable. Tell him everything. Tell yeah. him everything. And he goes, okay. So I go in to see a movie with my family. And then he calls in the middle of the movie. And yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, it must have gone well. So I get out and I call him. I said, how'd it go? And he goes, not good. <laughs> really? And he goes, I should have figured talk about positive stuff. <laughs> Their first question is, is it hard being a stand-up? And he just goes, yeah, one time I tried to kill myself. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so they flagged him. That's hilarious. He just shut up. <laughs> oh, he, and he you just know, kept going. You ever hear the story about him and, uh, him and Gary Valentine? No. Oh. I don't know. Oh, this, this is the, the, the... I'm telling you, when I say... I could not, me and Gary could not figure out why these types of stories weren't in his act. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a really interesting transition a lot of comics make, where it's like all of a sudden your real life becomes your act, and all of a sudden everybody's relating a lot more. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and he never... So these like, are damn funny stories. Oh, he, he yeah. goes, one time we're at, we're at Formosa, me, him, his roommate, remember his old roommate? Uh, I don't Scott. know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Me, him, Scott, and Gary Valentine. Yeah, and uh, and we're like, hey, you should come to Vegas with us. And he's like, no, nah, I got a spot at the Hollywood Improv uh, Saturday night, and when it's Thursday, we're like, fuck that, dude. <laughs> we're going. 
Kevin James is in Vegas. We're going to go. We're going to we we can get a room off of Kevin. And Gary's like, "Come on, man. Come on." And he's like, "No, I'm not going. I'm not going, man. I, it's about getting spots." So Gary's like, "This fucking this is what bothers me." And you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to say anything. Gary goes out to Santa Monica to get his stuff. <laughs> and me and this guy and Scott go to his house to get Scott's stuff and we're going to drop him off. And on yeah. the ride there he goes, "Fuck it. I'm going to go." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, okay. Let's surprise Gary." All yeah. Right? You hide in the back of my navigator, and we'll put luggage on you. And we won't say anything until we get on the interstate. You pop up with a beer and go, surprise. <laughs> so we're like, all right. So he gets in the back. He hides. We're hiding forever. Gary pulls up. Gary gets in the car, and he goes, is he really not going? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, he's not going. He's like, dude, can I tell you what's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, no. And he starts – destroying oh, everything fuck. and they are best friends at the time <laughs> and you see I'm walking I'm looking in That's the rearview mirror and I see him off. sit up like doing this with his head and then I go I'm going Gary Gary can you pass me a drink from the back, from the back? and he goes hold on Bertsky I'm not done yeah, this yeah. is what's wrong with his comedy and he's like oh, oh no oh it was the fucking oh that is he was fucking a awkward walking. have you ever oh the best one you know the one about uh I, I I, you'd, I'd have to say his fucking name to tell that Oh, story. I know which one you're you talking about because I was going to tell that one too. Oh, that's the fucking greatest. I love it. I love uh, it. He had the best stories <laughs> and he wasn't trying oh, well. to tell stories. Oh, I know. Well, well, this is what happened. We all did a gig like 12 years ago. This is a different story. Uh, Brian Dunkelman was the headliner. It was right when he was on American Idol and uh, we're doing this theater show and he brings a bunch of uh, us LA guys out to party with him. You know, I mean, and... Uh, so have we already said his first name? We, we, okay. we said Mike. Yeah, Mike. yeah. Okay, so it's, it's Mike. So Mike's out there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the first night we go to the uh, the Bigfoot uh, Lodge. Or I think it was called. Like there was a bar right next next to the place. I think even before Mike's act, he was going around asking people like, uh, "Hey, what's like the bar that everybody goes to?" You yeah. know, I want to. So in his act, he's like, "Yeah." So I was right over here at the Bigfoot, and I'm hitting on this girl, or whatever, and he's telling stories, and the audience is going crazy, and they're, they're loving it. After that, we all go to that bar, and then we're just part in and he's hitting on everything that moved like like a numbers game just like hey do you want to go home to my hotel no all right you want to go back to my hotel how about you you want to go back to my hotel like every single person in the whole thing he finally hooks up with somebody and uh oh man it was such a mess because then we go back to the hotel and apparently she was uh married and uh it's a small town we're like in this town like halfway up uh to big bear and um and so like the next morning it's a mess because like i went in i think i did like some kind of uh press thing and then i show up at like seven in the morning and then he's arguing with the girl about how she's gonna get home because she doesn't have a ride and he's like just take a cab it's no big deal and it's like she's like i got kids that have to have their cheerios and stuff it's whatever it's cheerios just get them you know whatever he's blowing off but anyway uh apparently it turned into a whole drama so the next night we do the show you Everybody's talking about how this husband guy is uh, is after uh, Mike, <laughs> and uh, you look out into the audience, and it's another great crowd, but it's literally the exact same people. Every single person in the audience were the same people there that were there the night before. Like this is something that doesn't happen a lot. It's yeah. like you know comics coming through their town, and so uh, 
Yeah, I remember this husband guy. That that worked itself out because the the guy shows up so drunk, and he's like, "Which one was it?" And uh, somebody points him out, and the the guy was so drunk he wound up falling and like hitting his head and having to get a paramedic to come over. Like the whole it was all fucked up. But the greatest part was that afterward, <laughs> there's so many stories within stories in this one. But uh, Mike goes up there and he starts doing his act, and he's like. Uh, Hey everybody! So I was, uh, you know, he's just telling his jokes. You know, yeah. they're not real stories, but he's just like, uh, so uh, yeah. Last night I was over here at the Bigfoot. You know, the uh, and everybody's like, yeah, and you fucked Susie, and her husband's here, and he's trying to kick your ass. <laughs> but it's he's going, shut up, shut up. You like, he's, he's just trying to get through his joke that says it could be any bar, you know. Yeah, and then they're all going, oh, he's going to talk about it. Oh shit. <laughs> he's just using a bar yeah, yeah, yeah. reference to another joke And they're all thinking that he's about to just start going into what oh. happened But yeah, it kind of is like what you're saying about Like you're kind of craving Oh, I want some real stuff coming out of this Because yeah, no He had some great stories But yeah, that one about him Have you ever had that? I've, I think I've had that too When you're in the hotel And you you don't realize the drapes are completely open And you're oh, just yeah. so comfortable Like that's why I related to it so much I'm like Oh fuck! I'm on the ground level, and there's like people in the courtyard and shit. I'm just, oh yeah, yeah. That happened to me. There was a uh, hotel in Chicago that I used to stay at, and I just assumed you because I could see out. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't see out really well. Yeah, so you I assume could, they yeah. can't see yeah. either. And I, and, but it was, and I'm walking down, and I see some guy walking around shirtless, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, that's been me. And oh, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, below yeah, totally. him. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, that was. Uh, now, you told me that story at that lunch, and I oh, I, man. I love that story. That is so good. He's such an inch. What's and he just doing Just the now? fact that he had to live there for years after that, too. Is it's he like, still doing stand-up? Uh, yeah, I see him every now and then. I think he does like these uh, USO tours or something like that. He's such but, a great uh, guy, too. Yeah, like, he's the, terrific. The greatest, like most sensitive dude. Yeah, yeah. He's so cool. Yeah, that's fucking great. Wait, where yeah. did you grow up? You grew up in L.A., right? Actually, I was born in New York, and we lived there until... Uh, New York and then Englewood, New Jersey for a little bit and then moved out to L.A. when I was a teenager. So Didn't your dad, was your dad an actor? Yeah, my dad was an actor. Uh, he did a lot of plays in New York and then he got, uh, he randomly got this offer to do a, um, a, a play and it was a one-man show. My dad didn't write it. Yeah. Um, but it was a playwright wrote this one-man show and he cast my dad to, to be the guy and he killed it, and uh, and there was there were two shows that they were doing it as like a double header, and the other one was Rhea Perlman doing her one man show, and Danny DeVito was coming every night, and um, Danny DeVito just fell in love with my dad, and he was just like, we got to get you, we got to get you on Taxi, and so uh, my dad did an episode of Taxi called On the Job, and it's where everybody loses their job uh, at the taxi place, and then they. They uh, get their own job, and Elaine goes to work for this guy who's my dad, and it's like this uh, beautiful, like twelve minute, uh, you know, spot that's kind of all about my dad, and it it just like destroyed. So he became, uh, you know, a guy who was working a lot as an actor during the, that period of time. He every now and then had uh, some series that fell through or whatever. Yeah. This this is the classic. Uh, <laughs> this is the classic shoot yourself in the head. He he was like really high up in the running to become the coach on Cheers, and uh, 
right during that time, it was one of these like times where everybody kind of wanted him, and he got offered to do the movie Porky's Two to play the bad guy, and it was going to pay a shitload of money, and it was just over the summer, and um, in order to do it, uh, he had to basically just uh, <laughs> take himself out of the running. Now we don't know if he would have been the coach or not, yeah. but. It in in hindsight, it looks like it probably would have been my dad because he was Holy he was their favorite, yeah. Fuck. And uh, but they did eventually put him on a Cheers, and then and then there was another show that the Charles Brothers came up with called All Is Forgiven, and my dad was a regular on that, and lasted one season, and that's the end of it. And uh, this sounds really lame for me to say, but I, from a selfish standpoint, am completely fine with it because I. If I would have been a, no offense to our actor friends out there or kids of actors, but I, I would have been one of those guys. Like we, my dad's a famous sitcom guy, and then we're living in, you know, on Mulholland or something, and I'm having, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever really would have been, you know, a guy who went out and struggled as much as I did, you know. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, but I just feel like. I probably would have never wanted for anything ever, you know, like it's a lot of these the kids. It's a really you know? hard part. I have friends <clears throat> who grew up wealthy. Yeah. I didn't grow up wealthy. I grew. Up, I didn't grow up n- poor, but I didn't grow up wealthy. Like, we had a nice house. Yeah. We just didn't have any furniture in it. Yeah, yeah. And so... And so... And where and like, was that? In Tampa. Oh, in Tampa, yeah. Yeah, like, my dad represented the Church of Scientology. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and they... They were billed up for a ton of money, and so my dad and they paid, and then my and so my dad had a chunk of money, and so he put like a hundred and thirty thousand, which is a lot yeah. in the eighties, into this like three bedroom, four bedroom house, mm-hmm. two bath, two and a half bath, th- no maybe f- three and a half baths, really nice house, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. But then the church welched, and they wouldn't, they they fired him and said, "No, nah, we're not going to pay you." Oh. And my dad was like struggling. And I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. <clears throat> but my friends who grew up wealthy and they're all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm getting at. I'm 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 also thinking of friends of mine that uh, that grew up wealthy and are fucked up. And I feel like if they're listening to this, they're going to be like, "Fuck you, man." <laughs> it's, but, it's, uh, well, it's, it's the hard true. thing to do is like is like to raise kids and teach them to have wants and needs and values. Yeah, you got to be hungry, man. Especially yeah, you gotta be doing hungry. what we're doing. Yeah, it's like. God, how easy would it be, like, when you start comedy to just not bother going to a place like – because I remember, like, going to – like, in L.A., it's – what's weird about starting in L.A. is that that whole idea of, like, going on the road, you know, like, doing, yeah. like the, the circuit or whatever is just, like, a big mystery. It's like, I don't know how anybody – it's like – in order to go on the road, you have to you have to be on a plane. That's the only way you're going to do it. And there's yeah. no gigs that come around, so you're going to like Riverside or Bakersfield or something to do a gig for like a hundred bucks. But yeah, it'd be pretty easy if I didn't need the hundred bucks to be like, ah, fuck it. No, I don't feel like driving all the way out there. But you know, I said to someone, someone said to me the other day. Uh, they said, I said, yeah, you can, you can come, you can do the road with me, and they're like. How, I wish I could remember who this was. But I go, you can come do the road with me, and they're like, "How much does it pay?" And I was like, in my head, I was like, "I've never, I, don't, I never asked that." <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. "Yes, definitely." It's, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's more than I'm getting not doing comedy, and I want to do comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, I, 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 
I know who it was. I won't say his name. Yeah. But he was saying, we were talking and I, he was like, he's like, yeah, I don't know if I can afford to do that gig. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I go, hey man, I, I didn't make money doing comedy until like, I, I was, I, I want to say, I, I, I said until this weekend. Like I, yeah. I was always in the red doing stand up. Oh, like yeah. always. And I, I've, I just, that's the reason I took Travel Channel, you know, because yeah. I was like, I was like, I needed money. I oh, had yeah. two kids, and I had an apartment that we were that my wife was working a, a job so she could pay for the that was paid yeah. for the rent, and I was like, yeah, I got to take this show. Yeah, no, you got to, yeah. Well, like for me, for the first five years, it was just developing this act that started in like uh, coffee houses where I, I would, uh, I was just part of this whole singer songwriter scene and there'd be open mic nights where they had singer songwriters but they'd have comics also and so i'd see a couple of comics come through but for the most part i was trying to do this thing where i was like making fun of the singer the serious singer songwriter thing yeah and it was it it went over really well there i had to adjust it a lot in order to make it work in a comedy club because it's kind of like a troll like for the first two minutes you'd watch it and think oh okay this is just a regular singer guy and then all of a sudden it's like oh wait Oh, are we getting fucked with right now? Oh, this is a total joke. Like this guy yeah. can't be serious, you know. And that's the way it was. But um, yeah. So about five years of developing that, and then uh, then I I started meeting a lot of comics. And I, Bud Friedman came to see one of my shows at this place called the Genghis Cohen. I don't know if you I know remember that. Genghis Cohen. Yeah, to, yeah. I used to go over there. I watch comedy all the time. But I, I could yeah. never get up there because I didn't know anyone. Yeah, well, I was doing it still as a musician. Like, I would book my hour, you know, show or whatever, and I'd have basically just an hour set of comedy songs. And then uh, Bud Friedman came and watched it one time, and then he invited me to go to the improv, and then that's when I started hanging out with all the comics. I met Doug. Doug was funny because he was like, because we became pals, and then he was like, uh, yeah, man, I didn't want to see your act for like, couple of years of us hanging out because I knew it was going to suck. <laughs> and I was like, it's going to be pretty hard to be friends with this guy. But then when he finally did, he was like, oh, that's pretty funny shit. And then he started bringing me out on the road. Yeah. So yeah, I went to Houston, Minneapolis, all these other gigs. And uh, yeah, then everything got really fun from that point on. But yeah, I was God, just I would love so. to have been around the improv. In 99, I was just started. I just started comedy. Yeah. In like I started comedy in I think in in I think I started in 99. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in 99 Doug has an album called Something to Take the Edge Off and I play guitar throughout the whole thing like from beginning all the way to the end. And that is exactly the comedy set that Doug was doing the couple years prior to that when we were hanging out and we'd go to places like the Goldfinger which is one of these uh, weird bars in Hollywood and it was like all dark and there'd be occasional sightings of like celebrities and stuff but it was like a, all of a sudden a really interesting side of LA that I never really saw because Doug was willing to go to the, like it wasn't the improv it wasn't the Genghis it was like this weird bar you know just yeah. like club type thing like Daryl Hannah was there I remember one night and like but yeah Doug was doing this really really edgy dark stuff and it worked there really well and I was just playing guitar throughout the back of it, and we captured it at the at the Houston. We finally did it in Houston, and it was 
it's a great album still, and it it's like there used to be that guy Chuck that used to work in Houston. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the bass player. Yeah, he used to yeah, play yeah. bass for Mitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I know Chuck. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I, and, remember, uh, I remember one of his jokes so vividly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took I was took a an erection pill called Cialis. They say if it lasts longer than four hours, I'm gonna. They call a doctor. Fuck that. I'm going to see Alice. I'm going to see Alice. I'm going to see Jenny. I'm going to see Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like you can remember one joke. Oh, I know, dude. It just sticks with you forever. I, I think I was talking to uh, Todd Glass about that very thing about like there needs to be like a coffee table book of like the best of of the the guys that just have those jokes that you can only remember one of them, you yeah. know, because there's so many great ones. I mean, I, I've met. I remember back then seeing comics at open mic night that their entire set was kind of nothing, but there'd be one just beautiful gem in there that once they quit doing it, it's never there anymore. The one that always comes to mind is this guy, Danny Lamore, who's out of uh, Nashville. I'm not sure if he still does stand up anymore, but he should because he's great. But he he has this joke that's so good. He goes, um, I got a dog and I named him. Drew Barrymore because I always wanted to tell people I fucked Drew Barrymore (laughs) (laughs) it's like that one joke is just so good it it can't possibly die I'm doing the best I can to keep it alive but I I think you could do a coffee table book and you just have all these jokes like that there was a guy Patrick Melton from Tampa I I don't know I don't think I know him he has a podcast you know him I don't oh he has a podcast called Nobody Likes Onions oh yeah and uh, he had a joke his joke was, uh, the Democrats are trying to put a black guy and a white chick in the White House. <laughs> I'm still trying to get comfortable with it in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I lo- There's a guy, uh, Jason Dixon. He uh, runs the Richmond Funny Bone. Oh, I'm going to yeah? see him this weekend. I'll be, oh, be cool. in Richmond this weekend. And he uh, he's, he was a comic for a long time. <clears throat> Up until like uh, like a couple of years ago, he started. He just was like, you know what, fuck it. Um, I, I'll I'll still do comedy every now and then, but I I just want a job. I want to run a funny bone and yeah. just work. So he started working it. I think in like Cincinnati, and then moved down to Richmond. And he has he knows all the old jokes. Oh yeah, and dude. He he's got from guys that were like in the eighties. And it, we were saying, you know, it's really sad that all these great jokes just disappeared. There's, yeah. There's guys like, uh, I got set up on a blind date with like an actual blind person. He's like, I started liking her, but after a while I had to break up with her. I don't know how you break up with a blind chick. I just took her to the mall and like overhand. <laughs> <laughs> like all these great That's old jokes. Great. There sh- really should be a coffee table book of that. Like, Oh, and, yeah. And, just and, then, like, like, there, and there was guys that he was, Jason was telling me, maybe I'll, I'll, ah, uh, fuck. I was like, he was t- just going through and just going, oh, you should have seen this guy. This guy was really great. This guy was really great. Yeah. And then a lot of them pass away, and then all this great materials just... Oh, I know. It's gone. Or, yeah. But, yeah, going back to what you're saying about laughing, I mean, that's me, too. Yeah. I just, like, yeah, like when we had lunch that time in Dayton or just, like, hanging out after a show with comics, it's like, that's all it's all about. It's all about laughing. Yeah. And I love it. Fuck, uh, Brendan Walsh was just telling me that. See, now this sucks because I can't remember the name of the guy that he's quoting. But if anybody out there knows, then they can tell you. But uh, this dude in New York that he saw that had this joke where the guy was 
fuck is this is this okay to tell some joke that a friend told and I can't even remember the name of the guy I'm sure whoever it is you're a genius and you need to make it make it known that this is your bit but uh he's like uh I was on the subway and I was sitting in the disabled uh you know seat and this deaf guy comes up to me and he's like hey you know and I assume he's pissed off but I'm like you know you're deaf, so it's not really a kind of disability where you have to be sitting down. You know, yeah. it's like, and the guy's like, "What the fuck?" And then um, I was kind of embarrassed afterward because then I looked down and I remembered I was wearing my "fuck deaf people" shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking great. Walsh. I probably butchered it, but anyway, Brendan Walsh is one of those guys that is like he is. He, I think he has the same spirit that me and you have yeah. that Stanhope has where like he really is like his fucking prank calls make me oh howl. man yeah he's Laughing. genius yeah Brendan's I wanted fantastic. to do I wanted to do prank calls my daughter started doing prank calls mm-hmm. and I wanted to have them prank call Brendan but let Brendan know oh that would be and awesome. so he could fuck with my kids oh so it turns around yeah and watch them just like oh <laughs> I think that would be fucking great oh dude that would be the ultimate yeah I love that so I gotta talk to you about my favorite thing you've ever done and you already know what it is uh, what's that the easily the favorite thing you've ever done uh the loner Oh, the loner. Yeah, yeah. It is the greatest. Oh, thanks. I oh, to, that's right. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. I used to take it into meetings that's and right. show people. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, no. So uh so this is it's so funny because like way back I can't in, find like, it anywhere online. Yeah. Oh, it's on YouTube. It's yeah, on YouTube. The loner. It's all on YouTube. How, what's, how, what do you type in to find it so that people just can put uh put Henry Phillips the loner. And Henry Phillips the loner. Actually, if you go to my my channel, I've got a whole um like a what do you call it a playlist of them. Yeah, there's five of them. They're all like two minute segments. It's me at the bar, <sighs> kind of like ba- loosely based on real things that have happened to me. But uh, I'm just sort of playing this loser, and generally I'll see somebody do something, and then I'll try to do it myself. Because that's always my favorite is when somebody is trying to trying to do the right thing, but they yeah. fuck it up. You know, I've just always been a fan of that kind of thing. But like IFC, I guess, was trying to get on the ground floor of like the internet, so they saw it coming and they commissioned a couple people to make short form content for the for their website. And so my buddy Greg and I. Greg, who, uh, Greg Vienz is also the guy who directed the movies uh, Punching the Clown and uh, and Punching Henry. But uh, but so yeah, we did it, and um, everybody that saw him loved him. This is like in two thousand, but nobody, not a lot of people saw him because nobody really understood the internet. You know, it's like nobody's connection was fast enough that you could actually stream it. You know, oh. it's just for humor. It's like it's got to be that you couldn't download it. So their idea was great, but it wasn't. It, it, it was going to take several years before people started getting used to watching that kind of stuff. It stinks that there's but, a um, bunch of content out there that was made in two thousand, two thousand three. Yeah, like I made a, I made a TV show, Hurt Burt, where yeah. it was it was like four minute clips. Yeah, and the network's note was, "Who's going to sit and watch something for four minutes? They want to watch." 22 minutes of it yeah you need yeah. to make long form <laughs> stories and i was like fuck and then as soon as the internet came, i remember oh, myspace man. came out and i was like fuck i just started putting them on myspace and they were getting hundreds of yeah. thousands of views and i was like i was like fuck oh yeah man it's that, yeah we put uh i think we might have put ours on myspace also they were on your website is how i got them yeah i yeah. got them off your website and it is it is it is 
in my in my it is the pinnacle of what I've ever wanted to do. It, that it made me laugh oh, so man. hard, and it was Thanks so brilliant so and so so smart and so soft and so tasteful yeah. and so like everything and it was so easy to wrap your head around that yeah. like i started i would say to myself i want to see a hundred of these yeah i know man oh so what was the i think like, it was more tell me which one well okay so like uh, there used to be this bar that i would hang out at called the lava lounge do you remember that yeah was that on yeah was that on La- it was on la brea, la brea and uh sunset yeah, yeah just the a little lava more lounge. it's called the woods now yeah but that was a great bar, and I used to go there, and I would always feel like such an outsider. And it's like, it's so ironic when you look back, and it's like, it, your 20s is when you're trying to meet girls the most, and it's like you just don't know anything. It's like you're just scaring them away yeah. with this dumb shit. Like now as a 47-year-old guy, I can look back and go, what were you doing? But I remember literally there was a, there was a moment where there was a guy <laughs> that I was I was sitting next to a guy at the bar, and a girl came up and uh, tried to order a drink and she was beautiful, gorgeous and she smelled good and she had jewelry on and everything like that and this guy, this guy was like real smooth dude, he was actually from New York I think he had kind of a little bit of an edge to him and he goes, he says he's a really good looking guy that never hurts, you know he's just like "Uh, will you just get out of here says that to the girl and the girl's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, I'm out here with my buddy. We're having a drink and we're talking about how lonely we are and all these beautiful women everywhere. And then here comes you with the most beautiful scent of jasmine and your lovely smile and your beautiful golden hair. And just when we're trying to forget, you know, just don't make this hard on us. Just get out of here. And then she's liking it he's doing it in a really good way and uh then they start chatting and then he's like let me buy you a drink and then they kind of pair off and so then uh <laughs> a little bit later on i was thinking all right i think i could do this you know i'm gonna try that one this is a fucking genius line this yeah. is great i'm gonna do it and so then some girl comes over and i'm i'm kind of drunk and i'm just like get out of here <laughs> she's like what fuck you and I'm like, no, nah, just get out of here. You just, the way you smell, the way you look, like everything about you, just want you to get out of here. And she's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> and then she just takes off and I'm like, God. Get out of here. Just everything about you, just get out of here. Uh, yeah, I fucked that one up. And then, uh, and then the uh, other, cl- I'll just tell one more, but uh, the other classic was when, um, a buddy of mine told me about this one. He was like, "Dude, this is what you do. This is the this is the way you open up a conversation. Just take any personal belongings. Like, you know, I had my camera, and I just said, "Hey, I I gotta go to the bathroom. Do you mind uh, watching my camera? It's kind of expensive. And uh, are you guys gonna be here for a while?" And these girls are like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I don't know what." It just like I started talking, and it was just like I opened it up, and I was like, uh, "I'm quoting this other guy, by the way." Yeah. So he's like. Now, don't uh, steal my camera now. I don't want you girls, you know, going off and taking a bunch of wild naked pictures of yourself. And then, uh, you know, I find them later, you know, and then they're laughing. And then and then it's on. He's just like and then he comes back and he knows the girls and then they're buying shots and doing whatever. So I tried. I'm sitting next to this beautiful black girl. Um, And I don't know. The the other the reason it didn't work with me is that. I think I, I I had my jacket there, and I was like, uh, "Hey, can you watch my jacket? I'm gonna go to the bathroom." And then she's like, 
why don't you just take it with you? <laughs> I don't know. I want to save my seat. And there's like, there's tons of seats. Yeah. Yeah, it's already going wrong from the beginning. But then I was like, all right, uh, hey, don't steal it. And she's like, don't steal your jacket. Why am I going to fucking steal your jacket? No, you know, I mean, just don't, I don't want you to take my jacket or my stuff, you know, and don't steal my beer or whatever. I'm not going to, fuck you. And then it, it got racial really quick and I was just like, oh, God damn. But, uh, it was the, yeah. They were the, they're the best. I was looking for them the other night. They're so good because they're so, it is the subtlest. And it's, and it was the, at the time I was uh, writing, Shorts. Me and my buddy Croy were writing shorts. Oh yeah, and ours were so complex, that, and they were always had like massive homosexual undertones. Oh yeah, and and we couldn't, we couldn't crack the code of like how to translate humor onto the screen. Yeah, like we'd have a funny idea and we laugh, and then when we shoot it, it just wasn't funny. Oh, I know the feeling, man. No, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that secret is. It's just you get lucky sometimes. But what I've noticed is because I've at this point tried to put every story on film, and sometimes it it kills, and then sometimes it just comes so. Uh, what's always depressing is when you tell people the story and they laugh way harder than they did when they were watching it on the yeah. screen. It's like, damn, what what's missing about it? I think part of it is that when you tell it in real life, then everybody knows you and they know that it really happened, and there's a sincerity there. So if you can capture that somehow, that's yeah. good. But it's like. Yeah, it's not easy. I told uh, I was, I told this idea that uh, we were going to shoot one time in a meeting. I was pitching another show, and I, and I told this idea of this thing that me and Croy were going to shoot about me and him. That I call him, and I, I have a a prostitute who's died in my in my house, yeah. and I need him to help me get rid of the body. <laughs> and so we wrap her up in a sheet, and we carry her out to the trunk of my car. And then we run back and we grab flashlights and shovels. And as we go to throw the flashlights and shovels in the trunk, she starts coming too. <laughs> and Croy just takes a shovel and hits her over the head. And he goes, that was a close call. <laughs> and, and I told it in a, in a pitch meeting. And the guy goes, please tell me you're pitching that because I'll buy it. I went, no. <laughs> I pitched some shit show. Oh, that's fucking, funny. Oh, so like, that wasn't even the pitch? I was oh, just yeah. telling him, like, I was like, I, the whole pitch was, I'm such an idiot. It was a show I, 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 I ended up selling it called The Process about two young filmmakers each making three-minute shorts based on the same log line. Yeah. So, and I would be the studio. So I would give them the exact same amount of money, the exact same log line, and they had to make it based off that. But they also had to deal with me being like stereotypical studio, like my cousin wants to be in it. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I need a, and you know what's selling right now? Gorillas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, oh yeah, they love doing that. He passed on it, but he was like, he was like, you should have pitched me that fucking thing. And I was like, wait, but I did. And he's like, no, you didn't. And I was like, uh huh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, sometimes it's the it's like the, the simplest thing. Sometimes you overthink things. Like, uh, yeah, I remember actually going back to Doug. This is one of the one of the great things that he did for me is that he he had a show called When Hidden Cameras Attack, and it was a hidden camera show, obviously, and uh, and it was great. Doug was fantastic doing that, and uh, he got me to write the theme song for this recurring segment which was great. It was network TV and I wrote the theme songs. And, um, 
But <laughs> now I'm going, why the fuck did I bring it up? It wasn't just a name drop. Uh, <laughs> wait, let's backtrack just for a second. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So I pitched them like three different theme songs. And the first two were just so overcomplicated, you know, and yeah. they were just kind of like, and I, those were going to be the two that I was going to submit, but they said that they wanted three options. So for the third one, I wrote it in like 30 seconds and it was just like, beware of Doug, you know, it was just something really yeah. silly. And that's the one that they went from. They're like, oh man, that's great. You know? And I was so yeah. surprised. I was like, that's the one that I was just. I just came up with that really fast because I knew I needed three of them. But it's like, yeah, sometimes like the quickest thing, the simplest thing is the best one. What's, so so then what, what was like – because I remember seeing the trailer to Punching the Clown. Yeah. What's the connection between Punching the Clown and Punching Henry? Well, Punching the Clown is a movie, that, a full-length movie that we did back in 2008. And that was you on the road, right? Uh, no, it was uh, – they're both similar. It was It was me – being a road guy and then showing up to LA and all of a sudden crashing at my brother's place and we and trying to get a record deal and so I'm treated a little bit more as a musician in that one and I I eventually get with this novelty record company that uh, tries to um, compare me to this other guy stupid Joe who uh, was played by my buddy Mark Cohen and I know Mark uh, Cohen. yeah Wait, Mark Cohen's in. He's stupid Joe and punching him. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he was kind of reprising his role, but uh, yeah, in the first one, he's just—I keep getting this DVD shoved in my face from this their their star client, stupid Joe, and how I just keep hearing about how he sells so much, you know, and yeah. but it's like his stuff is all just these basic parody songs, you know, just like. Uh, Tried to take a shit, totally ripped a big fart, you know, like all that kind of thing. And then I keep trying to explain to him, yeah, no, what I do is just different. It's kind of slower and, you know. And um, so we we made that movie back in 2008. It didn't It was on Netflix for a couple of years, so there's people out there that really dig it, That, but it, it never really made any money or got any kind of really wide distribution. And um, when it was on Netflix, that was pretty cool. But the whole thing kind of came and went, and um, Greg, the director, and I, well, we made a lot of good friends during that period of time. Sarah Silverman was a huge fan of that first movie, and then Mike Judge, and um, and Tig, and all these people, and so we were like, well, let's make another one, you know, and then maybe we, we can get, you know, a little bit more action this time around. So we got a studio involved, Mike Judge, uh, who I'm not, a, I'm not a guy who's good at... Uh, asking for favors but i i did in this case because he had told me that he liked the movie and we knew that um so he so he agreed to do a cameo in it which is cool he plays the sound guy we put it like a, a ponytail on him and uh and then he actually sent an email to jk simmons just saying like hey man you got to see their first movie and then read the script for this one i think this is going to be pretty good and uh and J.K. Simmons blew us away, but he's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." You know, yeah, that was and a big. It was right before he won the Oscar, but he actually was definitely had. There was a lot of buzz that he was going to win an Oscar, and uh, it was after Whiplash, and uh, yeah, so that everything got rolling there, and then Doug Stanhope uh, agreed to do a great part in it, playing a cab dispatcher, and he he nailed it. That is so fucking and, uh, funny. Yeah, that what? was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. <clears throat> that was so break down that scene because that's that's the perfect that is the what you know the one thing that I think that's so cool about 
about you is that you do you always do come from this one kind of point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you, that's true. Yeah, it's the uh, like. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to make it like I'm not doing anything to instigate this. There's just shitty things happening around me. It's so funny that because I, I I'd had a conversation um, a long time ago. A company had asked to wanted to do the machine as a movie. Oh, yeah. and I was like I was like yeah. And then the guy said in the me- in the meeting he goes um, he goes I love the machine and he goes and I love the Tracy Morgan story. And at the time there was another comic telling that story. That it happened to him, and no, and no oh, one knew wow. that, and no, I knew that, yeah, and some other people knew that, but it wasn't common knowledge. Everyone just thought it had happened to that guy, yeah. And I said, "That's interesting that you said that you like that story. How did you know that was my story?" And he goes, "Are you kidding me? Your character is hilarious." And he goes, "I can any, I can put you in any situation. You're the guy who thinks he's doing the right thing, gets way yeah, in yeah, over yeah. his head, <laughs> and then has to get out, and gets out by the skin of his teeth." Yeah, and I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, oh shit! I never saw that. And when I saw the the loner and and punching punching the clown, there was the one one part where you go in and they have you VR vo- voice record. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Over yeah. the bad word. Oh yeah, yeah. And I t- I think I told you I was in the same situation where I had to do that, and I ended up saying the bad word again too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's it's just like, uh, yeah. That that one happened to me. I was in uh, KFI. God, I would love to be able to just like see if they have archives of all this shit because it's so it's it was so devastating to me at the time, but then it wound up being so funny afterward. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, she she had this crazy idea that she was going to duck the music right when it, when my CD that they were playing said shit, and uh, and I'm supposed to say poop over it, and, and so it was such a terrible idea, but, uh, we miss it completely. So it just says shit, you know, this is on KFI. This is like going out to, you know, the entire Southern California area. And, uh, so I, I lean in and instead of saying poop, I just went shit. And I'm just like, Oh man, I just made it even worse. And then she's freaking out. But yeah, that, that one I feel like was, was one of the ones that, uh, that came out funny on the screen too. That was the, that's, that is hilarious. But the Doug, you're the, you and Doug breakdown is so funny. Oh yeah. So that's, that's based on a true thing too. My buddy, uh, Patrick Keene and I were out one night and, uh, we were like drinking and then we were at a Denny's and then, um, he called a cab and it didn't, uh, show up it was like an hour and, and it's raining and everything so i was like fuck it i'm gonna call a cab too yeah and then i i get this dispatcher on the phone and it's like yeah we need a cab we're at the denny's on uh you know wilshire or whatever and the guy's like now is this the same guy are you with the same guy that that already called are you the same party and i'm like no no it's totally different <laughs> so there I'm, I'm lying and then the guy's like all right because i don't want to send two cabs you know, we're working on it, but, you know, I don't want to have both of you guys get in one cab and then fucks over my other driver. And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And I'm thinking whatever whatever cab comes first, we're going to jump in it and that'll be their problem. So both cabs show up at the exact same time and we're both going back to Patrick's place to crash. So we just get in one and the other one screeches <laughs> off. And then my phone rings and it's this cab dispatcher guy going, hey, uh, yeah, this is Henry. Hey, dickhead! I told you, we don't. I don't want to send out two cabs to the same fucking place. You said that you weren't. You know, you yeah. lied. And I'm, I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm got a cab dispatcher calling. It's like, and I'm like, dude, we're waiting there for an hour. I don't give a shit. This isn't yeah. my problem. And I hang up. And then I realized, oh yeah, the next morning, 
I couldn't find my phone. And uh, so I'm like, God damn it, I got to call. And so I called the cab dispatcher, and I didn't realize it at the time, but it's the same guy. And I'm like, yeah, so I think I left my phone in one of your cabs. And he's like, yeah, where did you guys get picked up? And I was like, it's the Denny's on uh, Wilshire. And he's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, this is the guy who ordered two calves, and then he starts ripping on me again, but then while I'm there, while I'm calling him, all of a sudden my phone rings, so I'm like, oh, good, I've got my phone, you know, actually, uh, you know what, I take it back, fuck you, I don't, I, don't get, I don't need the fucking phone, and then I hang up, and then I have my phone, and then I just do a little bit more waking up, have coffee, and then I'm like, Holy shit, now where's my fucking wallet? Did I leave my wallet in the goddamn cab? Fuck! And then I had to call the guy again. I don't think we ever retrieved the wallet, or I think we wound up founding that, finding that someplace else. But uh, but yeah, so we told, oh. we basically told that, and, and Doug was perfect. But you know what's funny about that particular scene is I think that it's, it's kind of L.A. specific. I, I certainly know that people in New York aren't, aren't familiar with having to call a cab dispatcher. Maybe they are. I don't know. But uh, that was such a thing here before, like, Uber. Like, I would call the cab, and I'd be waiting. Like, the bar would be done at, like, 2 a.m., and then I'd be stuck there for an hour waiting oh, for this yeah. fucking cab to show up and there's nothing that you can do and they held all the cards they they'd turn off the meter and and uh renegotiate the fee and everything and i remember so many times calling the the company's like cab dispatcher and getting in these heated arguments with these guys that was that's very la you know what else is very la have you ever had your car towed and had to go get it from that that real fat dude on <laughs> yeah. melrose of santa monica or oh, santa monica uh, I did. I did have this happen a couple of times. Yeah, there was one. There was one called like Easy Time Towing or something like that. Oh, it's always called something convenient like Quick Tow. It's like, yeah, you fucking towed it quick, man. That guy was an ass. Yeah, he was so condescending and mean that you'd go in even with like a positive attitude. Yeah, and he'd still be a fucking dick. And I remember me and my buddy Croy. I got my truck towed because I left it at a bar one night. Yeah, and it's there, and we had had. Croy's car had been towed a month before and Croy had told him off and been like fuck you and we went in and the same guy and he recognizes me and Croy and he's like oh Oh, you guys fuck man yeah and he's like yeah I don't know if we can find your car it's gonna take a while (laughs) yeah and it took it took like five hours so we went over to there's a Zanku chicken right around there yeah went to Zanku chicken and you had to pay in cash you couldn't use a credit card and Croy's like hey I I, I gotta take a shit Croy goes Wipe your wipe your ass with the money. <laughs> and I was like, really? He goes, yeah, wipe your ass with the money. That's so I was great. like, oh, good call. So I take a shit, I wipe, but then I wipe all the money on my asshole. Yeah. And then go in and I go, here you go. And the guy just licks his finger and starts counting. And I was ah! like, ah, fuck my dick. <laughs> That's fucking great. Fucking asshole. Yeah. What a fucking dick. Yeah. No, I, I've ever, had it happen a couple of times. Have you ever thought about living in New York at all? Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's the right pace for me. I mean, I was born there, lived there until I was about ten, and then we moved to uh, New Jersey. But and I I was dating a girl in New York who was a bartender in New York for about two years, and I don't know. I I almost I I probably 
would be dead if I if I lived in New York. I mean, it's like the bars never close. There's so many of them. They're so fun. I, I just probably would just be a big mess. At least out here, you can, I am you can when only I go to yeah. New York. I'm oh a mess. yeah, no, I go there as a visitor. Well, all my friends that drink just quit drinking. You know, they, they live in New York, and so oh, really, I, yeah, because I guess it's just too out of control. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's way. It's and you know what the, the problem with New York I always found was that Coke was so easy to get a hold of. Oh yeah. Like that was the big, you know, that was like the, it seemed like the program. The last time I went back, it was, it was so funny. My uh, old, the guy that we used to buy cocaine from called me uh, when I was in New York. He said, hey, yeah, you're in New York. I'm coming to your show. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, yeah, I'm married. I have two kids. I don't party like that anymore. And he was like, <laughs> oh, that doesn't matter. But uh, but the thing was, you drink in, in New York until like, Two and you still had two more hours of drinking, and that's when everyone would start doing coke, it's like yeah. one, or one or two. <laughs> yeah, and you'd be like, "Oh, we just got to go all night." So, so did you? Did you sell the movie to Netflix originally, or did? Is um, it, did well, the Netflix- first one we did festivals, and we actually won an audience award from Slam Dance, and in two thousand nine, and then um, eventually comics just started tweeting about it. You know, uh, Stan Hope and Mike Birbiglia and Sarah Silverman tweeted about it. And then it, um, that's that was when we finally got uh, called from a distributor saying, hey, what do you guys got going over here? I think we could, you know, work with you. And so they, they put it on Netflix. But, you know, it's uh, it's got I, I feel like it's a little bit of a scam, though. Like in the beginning, Netflix used to buy movies directly from the filmmakers, yeah. which I guess could be problematic because you don't really have a filtering process but then eventually they just went completely to buying them from distributors and the distributors know that the the only way you're going to get your film seen is by going through them so they take a huge cut out of it and i think now you can even pay like a a guy like five grand and get it on netflix or something like that yeah i think so i think there's uh see because i i think it's good i think the only thing i thought was I was like I I don't know I, I go I get on Netflix every now and then like and on the road yeah and it came up and I went oh fuck yeah I think I texted you right then yeah I was like oh let's I got you know it's just one of those things that <clears throat> it's I was like oh fuck we should podcast and then I was like oh I watched the movie and we can talk about the movie oh, that's I love great. the fucking <laughs> movie and I was like oh that's great it's got to help with the road and like getting people to come out to shows. Yeah, I mean, I don't. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, for sure. With the first movie, when that when that got on Netflix, I was like getting recognized at airports and like. Um, yeah, I remember walking to Sam. I was going to do my gig at the Punchline in San Francisco, and I had my guitar on my back. And there's like this dude walking by who's like a businessman. You know, he's like a guy with a briefcase and a suit, and he was just like, "Oh, hey, I just watched your movie on Netflix. That was great." And I'm like, cool. Well, I'm going to do a show. And he's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so I don't know if it really translated into numbers, but uh, but it was definitely really, really cool. Uh, it was like the first thing that I had done where, you know, it seemed like it hit like the mass market to a certain extent Yeah. in New York. And there's all, there's all these great uh, fans in New York, you know, that are just fans of that movie. And um, so it definitely helped a lot. But like anything else, you just you got to keep putting stuff out there. It never ends, you know. Yeah. What are you? What are you gonna? What is, what's your plan? Well, I have a web series. I have a couple web series. I have my Henry's Kitchen, which is fun. You know, I just it's basically uh, play this kind of uh, 
just pathetic, you know, bachelor single dude uh, teaching how to make uh, chili and shit like that, and with bad quality and everything. And I love doing that. I and I put out a whole soundtrack album, and I sell merchandise and everything. And I also have another one called "You and Your Fucking Coffee," which is a little bit more of a uh, upscale, like you know, higher production value. And I do those through Jash. And, uh, yeah, they're Josh is kind great. of, yeah, it's great. And <clears throat> so it's back to that two minute, you know, kind of like the loner thing where I'm, but instead it's like, I, I asked somebody for a cup of coffee and it sort of sets off this chain reaction where it winds up by the end, just fucking up everybody's life. Cause I asked, you know, yeah, it seems to be true though, too. When you, when you just casually go to a place that doesn't necessarily sell coffee and it's like, yeah, do you guys have coffee? That's like, they get this look on their face. Like, fuck yeah 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 um let me go to the back and get the fucking thing and you know plug it in and and whatever and then it's sort of so that's what this whole series is about but i'm always trying to just keep keep crank crank, cranking out stuff and i do the road of course too what what roads what 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 uh did you do bob and tom uh, yeah bob and tom was a big i started doing that in the early 2000s yeah that's a real that's a game changer yeah i got a ton of work out of that so yeah, my stomping grounds since then have been like, uh, yeah, all the Ohio, you know, Dayton, Cincinnati, you know, Indianapolis, um, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, all that kind of Who stuff. Who were the comics? It was you, I think in that time, Berbiglia. I think Bob Briggerstaff was the one working with you, right? Yeah. Was that Bob? Was oh, it when Bob? we were in Dayton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Bob. Wait, and who was I with on my end? I'm trying to remember now. My memory is so fucking bad. I'm insulting somebody. Shit. But, um, yeah, no, that was a good time. But when you were doing the Bob and Tom roast, or Bob and Tom Oh, maybe Josh tours. Branham? It might have been Josh Branham that we were hanging out with. It was a funny dude. That group of comics was, it was like you, Tosh, uh, Mike, Mike uh, Berbiglia. Oh, yeah. I want to say even Stanhope for a second. Well, didn't he do some Bob and Tom stuff? Oh, yeah, he was on there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Greg Hahn. Yeah, Greg Hahn's great. Well, Greg, Florida guy, right? Greg yeah. Hahn. Greg Hahn uh, is, I'm in Louisville. There's a lot of stories about Greg, too. Really? Well, probably not nearly as colorful as the Mike ones. But, He's, uh, uh, he, I saw him, I first saw him in New York, and he was, he was with Todd Berry, I want to say. I want to say he was Todd Berry because it was a Florida connection. Yeah. But he was with someone that was like a, was like, a New York comic, respected yeah. New York comic, and he goes to the um, he goes to the Boston Comedy Club, which was predominantly Puerto Rican and black, yeah, and with some college kids in it. And uh, he goes up, and Patrice O'Neill and Rich Foster in the back, and Greg Humphrey. Those of you who don't know, his act is very high energy, silly, goofy, clean. It's not like. But it's just real, like. Oh yeah, it's it's to me, it's extremely hilarious, but it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. And so you got all these comics <laughs> going up and talking about racism and oh, yeah. sexism <laughs> yeah. and and like trying to be edgy, I, I hitting women like it's just. And yeah. then Greg Hahn just goes up and just starts slapping his yeah fuck, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and and it was I I never I've never laughed so hard yeah yeah but it was never more divisive like oh, some yeah, people yeah, totally. fucking hated him <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then so then I I'm in Louisville and I see him in the audience he's on a date and he's just he's like I was in town saw you here I was wanted to watch the show and I go Greg you got to you got to do some time just do like fucking 
Yeah. Five minutes, ten minutes. And he was like, I don't, I don't feel like it. And I go, Greg, please. And he's like, oh, it's, it's a big deal. Like, I don't, like, I just want to get out. in the mood. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, please. And he goes, okay, fine. So he goes up and he does the beer drinking on the side of his cheek. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he gets soaking That's wet. Great. And then he just goes back in the audience. <laughs> That's <laughs> was, hilarious. He just sat in the audience. The rest of, all the people around him, he's like, shirts wet. All the people around him are like staring at him the whole show. Oh, that's fantastic. He's great. Yeah, no, he's he's fucking great. Yeah. How did you did you know like Berbiglia and those guys before that? Uh, I met Berbiglia in San Francisco one time. He did he did like a guest spot maybe, and just annihilated. Like he just was strong right right out of the gate. And uh, yeah, um, we just got to be friends. We we did a little tour through the Bob and Tom show that was like it was all the guys that were because a lot of the people that were doing that show were married or older or whatever, and it was just sort of like the Bachelors tour. That's what we called it. It was Augie Smith. Greg Warren, myself, Berbiglia, and uh, Mike McRae. I don't know if you know Mike McRae. Of course, oh, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, the best he's Harrison great. Ford. Oh yeah, 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 he's world. great. Yeah, we had a blast, man. That was that was a really fun tour. I met and they Mike. were all theaters too. It was incredible. Really? Yeah, it was really. really I fun. met Mike when uh, in in Houston with Bob Biggerstaff. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to do. I used to do it when Pete ran the club. Did you ever do it when Pete? Oh was yeah, there? yeah. Those were fucking crazy days. Yeah, I know. I remember. Uh, yeah, well, he came around in like uh, 2004 or something like that, or maybe 2002 or something like that. Yeah, I remember Pete. What was the guy's name before that? Babbitt. Babbitt. Yeah, he so, was he was like a legend, a legend over there. He was a legend. Then he moved over to the Houston Improv, and I came into the Houston Improv and did a weekend, and the word on the street, like, everyone was like, "Dude, Babbitt is a fucking." He's discovered everybody. He's oh yeah. He's booked. He's one he's the first guy that headlined Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, if you looked at the calendar back in those days, like I remember, Doug's the guy who brought me there, and then I would go back a lot. And um, he, yeah, the the calendar was sick. It was just unbelievable. It, it would be like David Tell, Louis C.K., you know. Um, Arge Barker, Mark Marin, you know, um, Maria Bamford, you know, it's just like cool it Geraldo, was just fantastic. Fin- yeah. yeah, it just it went on such, forever. Like they every had, they single had the pictures comic. of like the weekends up, and it was every big fucking comic. Yeah, every comic that you respected. Yeah, like not just big names. It was everyone you respected. Yeah, and there were it was people just the best would, of the didn't best. Didn't work there because he didn't respect their comedy. Oh yeah, and you were like, and that was like cool oh i know yeah that was a big deal and the audiences were fantastic yeah those were really good times yeah it was like all of a sudden this birth of like a new thing to do when you go out it's like let's go to the comedy club because there'd be like 300 people there well louis recorded his cd there i recorded i remember being there there. for that yeah yeah and then again doug had his album that one that we did and then uh yeah but i i still have like uh tapes that i recorded there that are not tapes i guess they're probably cds but uh they still sound they sound better than the albums that i put out i'm just like why didn't i use these these yeah, are just were, fucking it, amazing it was wired perfectly yeah and it was a fun and crowd. just that crowd it's like with comedy you don't need a lot of technical stuff going on you just need to hear people laughing and then you need to hear the comedian into the microphone you know oh That's, i played i i went and did the wilbur in january and uh, I promoted it so much, I can tell you the date. I'll always be able to tell you the date. Yeah. Jan- January 21st. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I brought my, just this Zoom Zoom 6. Yeah. I brought Zoom H6 out, and I just recorded it. And I came home, 
and I played it for my wife and she was like, holy shit, this sounds amazing. I go, yeah, 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 it should. It's a really expensive recorder. Yeah. She was like, you should release this as a CD. And yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I will. And then, and, and then, of course, in the way everything in the industry gets fucked up. You know, everyone's like, no, you should do a new hour. Just record it out. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll shoot it at the Wilbur if you want to shoot it at the Wilbur. But it's just so no pressure. It's such a fun show. Yeah. That part of me is like, God, that's one I should release. I should just yeah. go and shoot it single steady. Like, and so then I bought a couple other cameras and I was like, I'll set up cameras around a room. Yeah. But I haven't been able to do that yet because you're like, fuck. But those ones where there's no pressure, you just go in and fucking murder yeah. it. Well, that yeah, that CD we were talking about of Doug's. It was just one one show from beginning to end, no edits, nothing. It's just uh, great all the way through. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and not all of it is killing. You know, there's a couple of parts in there that get really dark, but it's killing with like a couple of people. But I, I, uh, so he did that album, and I didn't really hear much about it except for I loved it, and and a few of my comic buddies loved it, but. Uh, there all of a sudden was this huge resurgence, like at, at toward the end of the two thousand, you know, like two thousand eight or whatever. It was like everybody started uh, loving Doug, and then going back to his old stuff, and then finding that album. And I remember being in Bloomington, Indiana, and then after the show, I went to some bar around the corner, and I even have a video of this. I should post it. But the the doorman saw my name when I when I gave him my ID. And he and he said, "Are you the Henry Phillips from the from the Doug Stanhope?" I mean, the, he had no idea that I was even a comic or anything like that. I'm playing at the club, but he just uh, he asked, and I go, "Yeah." And then he starts reciting the album, really, word for word. Yeah, I got him on video doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. He's just because yeah, Doug had a lot of that like cadence where it was very memorable. You know, it's like the perfect choice of words. And I, yeah, this guy I recited watched, the whole album. I watched Beer Hall Push. Oh, yeah. So, like, a long time ago, someone said to me, um, I wish I could remember who said it. They were like, you got to watch Beer Hall. Probably Jeff Tate. He was like, you got to watch oh, Beer yeah. Hall Push. It's, I'm not even saying it right, but he was like, it's the one of the best stand-up comedy hours you'll ever see. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. And I, and I, I was a huge fan of dogs, but I couldn't find it online. Like, I couldn't oh, get yeah. it anywhere. And I was like, fuck. Like, I, I'd watch something would be like a stolen audio from it i was like i don't want that i want to watch it yeah and so i was like fuck i'll go on his website and buy it and i'll have him send it to me and then this is around the time when everything stopped having dvd players yeah, yeah. and i was like fuck <laughs> yeah, and then i'm impossible. in i'm in uh wherever I, the fuck i was last two weeks ago probably lexington uh kentucky yeah and it was right before right before i saw yours when i saw the promo of yours oh yeah it was, it was it was the same day was it the same day that i watched yours i watched his oh wow okay because it's cool. on netflix now yeah and it is fucking phenomenal oh yeah i, I there's his last one i loved his last one like oh, I, I love that one too. i said yeah. to him i've said it a lot anyone that listens to this podcast knows it might be the best hour of the year like yeah it's just so great and i thought i like the lower production value i like like mm -hmm. the, we said I did the last special at Showtime and it did well. And they were like, so you've got to think, where do you want to do your next one? And then I said, I don't know. And they were like, if you could do it anywhere, sky's the limit, where would it be? I said, I want to do it at the last stop. And they're like, oh, well, it's wow. gone. And I said, no, 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 no. We could recreate it. Oh, yeah. Go in, go. rent that place out for the day. Yeah. And just recreate 
Yeah. That, oh, that, that's a great idea because the building's still the there. The building's still there. Yeah, man. That would be great. Just go in and just recreate it. Yeah. Like, I guarantee you those structural, they had those fucking poles. Those are still there. Oh, yeah. That was such a great fucking club. Oh, yeah. It was a killer. There was an energy to that room. It was fantastic. Oh, I used to get so fucked up there. Yeah. No, yeah. There were a lot of good stories from that place, too. This is a pretty good one. Uh, there, so Babbitt, Babbitt was, uh, he was a partier himself. So yeah. a lot of times, like, it would piss off, like, managers and agents because they'd be like... You know, whatever their client was, it's like, hey, man, our, our client's going in there for a week. Uh, he's sober now. So, uh, you know, try to keep him away from any of the drugs. And and <laughs> Babbitt wanted a party. And he's like, as soon as they'd get there, he's like, dude, what do you want, man? I got Coke. I got fucking everything. Like, he was just like the <laughs> ultimate. They're telling the wrong guy. Yeah, they're telling the wrong yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I won't say the names of these comics, but they were just like a kid in a candy store going, oh, this is the fucking best. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so there was... Uh, so Hedberg obviously was really big there, and uh, at one so any anything that Hedberg told him, you know, Babbitt would would be like, oh, okay, cool, you know, um, he would take his advice. And I guess Hedberg said, you got to have Arch Barker here; he's a great comic, you know. And Babbitt's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then at that same time, there was another dude that was hanging out with. Uh, Hedberg a lot that wasn't a good comic that, which, which was not that unusual but it was just like a dude that they were buds or whatever Yeah, and he calls and uh, it's it's not Arch Barker it's like a, just another dude I don't want to say his name either but uh, this guy's not the greatest and see so he he calls Babbitt and is like yeah uh, my buddy Mitch Hedberg uh, works there I was hoping I could work there too and Babbitt's like, yeah, no, actually, I think he just told me about you. Yeah, I'll give you a whole week. And this guy's like, a whole week? I mean, this is basically an open mic. Yeah. He's like, whoa, a whole week? <laughs> no, I'm dying to know. Do I know so who he the guy got, is? Uh, I don't know. You, you might not, actually. But uh, so he shows up there, and a couple of the Houston comics were already a little bit pissed off because of all the influx of L.A. guys. You know, it's like, dude, you can you can have some Houston people, go, you know, headline a week here yeah. or there. But this one, when when this guy went up at the open mic night before the week started, like on Monday, oh. he closed the open mic night, and the comics were going up to Babbitt, going, "All right, th this is it. That 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 does it. This is the worst fucking comedy I've ever seen, and this guy's headlining here for a week." And Babbitt's like, "Well, Hedberg told me he's really good. Uh, you know, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna uh, you know, well, let's give him a shot. Maybe he's just trying something different or whatever." Yeah. And then Tuesday night comes around. That was the first night of the week, or maybe it was Wednesday, but uh, his act just walks people in the first 20 minutes. People are done. They leave. The next night, uh, Babbitt was like, hey, man, I think we're going to bring you down to be like the feature act, if that's cool, because for whatever reason, it's not it's not happening here. And so he's like, okay, that's fine. So, like, they keep cutting him down until by the end, he was literally just doing a guest spot. And uh, I think Babbitt called uh, Hedberg. Babbitt's the one who told me this story, and he said, hey, I booked that guy, you know, and then uh, Hedberg's like, oh, you, you booked uh, Arch Barker? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Babbitt realized he totally fucked up. Oh, that's great. And then he says the guy's real name. Babbitt's like, no, I booked this other guy, and then Hedberg, because he's such a good guy, was just like, oh, okay, right on. Yeah. <laughs> like, But he must have been like, oh, fuck, that must have been a train wreck. Did you know Hedberg well? Uh, not very well. No, I mean, uh, just casually. Like we did a week together in um, in Tempe, and that was great. 
Lynn, Lynn and I are really good friends. Lynn, Lynn was in the movie, right? She's in the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and she does a great job. But uh, Lynn and I were in a car with Stanhope, oddly enough, uh, going from one place to the comedy store, and we're talking and we're just bullshitting, and then we get out, and she said something. She goes, you know, she's like, you know, I, I don't know how it came up. It, well, she didn't say, you know, I was married to Mitch, but she said something about Mitch. I said, and like, like you know that I'm Mitch's ex-wife. She didn't say that per se, but yeah. she said something like that. And I go, no, I know exactly who the fuck you are. Yeah. She goes, you do? And I went, <laughs> of course. I go, are you kidding me? I'm the biggest fucking Mitch fan in the world. She goes, yeah. oh my God, why wouldn't you say that? And I go, because I don't want to geek out on yeah. your, on your, on your, your husband has passed away. Like, I don't, and she goes, no, I fucking am a big Mitch fan too. And I was like, well, yeah. And she's like, what do you want to know? And yeah. I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and I, I fucking lost it. Yeah, no, that's that's like my connection to all those great stories. There's a lot of great stuff there. And then I Doug would, also. Doug has some good ones too. Doug's yeah, Doug. He told me they did some show where it was like some office party or whatever that wanted to hire he Doug and Mitch as like comedians and they showed up to the thing and just looked around at like twelve people just drinking like, you know, I don't know. Bacardi breezers, whatever, and the, okay, everybody, we're going to start the comedy in a little bit. And I, I think Mitch and Doug just looked at each other and just like, "You want to bail?" And it's like, yeah, and they just literally started running, just running. It was like in Pacific Palisades or something. So there's this like mile long driveway to get out to yeah. the street. So the last thing that Doug remembers, like when he turned around, he saw this lady who hired for them for the gig, just seeing these two comics running away and just like, what the fuck. I've wanted to do that so many times. Oh, I've had some fucking. Yeah. See, you, you, you. When you play your guitar, I feel like I'm in the same boat because once I start something, I have to finish it. Yeah. Like I don't have to. I can't audible out of like a story. Once I start a story, I've got to. I. It's a commitment to. Oh it. yeah, no, absolutely. It's hard to just bail in the middle of it. Yeah. Where some guys can be like, I'm, I'm married, and then feel the energy, and then they go, I, and I don't like it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much have to. And I have done this where it's just like, all right, guys, you're not digging that. I don't like doing it, so let's just move on to the next fucking thing. <laughs> like, you pretty much have to. Otherwise, it's like, what was that all about? You yeah. Know? Have you ever seen that? I've seen, uh, I saw one comic telling a story at Largo one time. And uh, the way that he opened the story, he said, um, I think he, I think what he was trying to say was, uh, I saw this chick who had a tattoo on her elbow, but it, instead he messed up and he goes, I saw this chick who had an arm on her elbow <laughs> and, uh, and then starts telling like a 10 minute long story. And then it, it's like five minutes into the story. I'm going arm on her elbow. What the fuck? And nobody's laughing. Everybody's just more confused that, but the whole, the entire story is rests on that first statement about yeah. having a tattoo. And then I think the audience had to put it together like, oh, I'll bet when he said arm on her elbow, he was trying to, he meant to say tattoo on her elbow. Okay, now I'm with, okay, now I get yeah, it. But oh, it's no, like, but it it's all dead by that point. It's like the whole first five minutes of the story is everybody trying to figure it out. But that's one of those things where you watch it on video afterward and it's just like, arm on her elbow what the fuck was that <laughs> like you're wondering why the story tanked and then you see yourself say that it's like god damn it fuck yeah have you been down to bisbee 
Yeah, yeah, I was just there. Really? Uh, that was back in September. Yeah, we all. Oh, were you doing that that fart the festival? fart festival? Yeah. Wait, what, what? Hey, tell me about Bird Cloud. That was great. Bird, Bird, Bird Cloud. They're awesome. Yeah, it's this uh, duo of chicks. They're sick. Uh, they're by the way, it's like they're the example of how are like I don't I I think I think they're both hot, but like yeah. I'm fascinated by them. Yeah, they're really good. They, well, they they performed. So Doug just transformed transformed his whole uh, place into like a comedy festival. Like he's got the bar in the back, and there was a great stage. It's like one of the best comedy rooms ever. Yeah. And then he's got the outdoor stage, which which was great. And Bird Cloud performed there, uh, and they could handle music. They had a great PA system and everything. Really. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Anthony Jeselnik was killing it, and Morgan Murphy, and. Uh, and Christine Levine and Junior Stopka, there were like a whole bunch of great comics there, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But we also showed the movie, um, and uh, that was that was one of the most fun nights of my life, just really? because it's like because you're showing it to the exact people that you want to show. I mean, there's like 75 people there, and they're all friends of Doug's, you know, comedy fans, other comics. And it was perfect, you know, so it was so fun when anybody would show up, like Brendan would show up right in the beginning and they're all like, oh, there's Brendan, you know, and then. Yeah, that was that guy that got me excited when he was like right first. Yeah. (laughs) He hits his face and I started laughing hysterically. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a true story, too. Well, Doug said that he kept on wanting to to stop the movie and talk about it for like a couple of minutes, which I thought was cool because. I've had that where I watch stuff and you want to do that, where you just want to like. You should do a director's a commentary with it. Yeah, that would be cool. We don't. It's kind of too bad. I don't know if they, it's like you were talking about DVDs. It's like I don't know if they're they're doing that anymore. That you should just do one. Go do a podcast with him. Yeah. Where you start the movie and you just talk about the movie and you go everyone start the movie now yeah. and then start the movie and start talking about it just like a director's commentary. Yeah. Well, the, the director and I did a uh, did one for the first movie. It's on the DVD. And, um, but yeah, I think just now we're, we're in such a streaming era that there's no, we do have some bonus stuff that I think that are going to, are going to be on the Blu-ray or something like that. But I don't think I kind of miss that, the actual package of oh, the thing, dude, you know, the, the movie, artwork, the movie made by John Favreau with, oh, yeah, Vaughn, yeah. it's a good, it's a great movie, but the extras on that movie were fucking oh, hilarious. Man. I got to see the extras were Vince Vaughn. Just doing double doing takes, and you just got to see his process. Yeah, yeah. And it was like fu- fascinating. That's really cool. Yeah, that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, that was a great one. I've gotten to an age where I go, I wonder if I should make a movie. I, I, I'd be. I feel remiss if I died in this business. Oh yeah, no, I think you got it. Like never yeah. having made a movie. You know? Well, you know what we did was uh, it started with readings. Like you get a bunch of comics actors together, and you read through the script well it starts with writing the script yeah but you you do readings of it like you know everybody has a few beers and you read through it and then you can tell whether it's good or not and then you start inviting people to watch the readings is that how you did it yeah yeah and it's it's also great because then you don't have to go through the painful casting pro like i don't want to call brendan walsh and be like hey man do you mind auditioning showing up to an audition in front of a casting director it's like it feels kind of cheesy to put your friends through that kind of a thing but when we were doing readings that way everybody could see this person and just go oh yeah that's great that person totally works for that part or whatever so you kind of bypass that but um yeah we did a really big reading of the last movie at uh at a studio in um santa monica 
invited uh you know a whole bunch of uh producers and investors and stuff like that and the vibe in there was so good they were like all right well let's let's move forward with this thing really you know? yeah that's an interesting way to sell a movie i think it I, yeah it, it's really the only way that we we could you know it's like our names weren't going to do it. Yeah, you know, we couldn't just show up and say, "Hi, I'm Henry Phillips. This is Greg Viennes. We have a screenplay." No, we pretty much had to show them what the energy was going to be like, you know. And uh, yeah, we did the same process for the first movie. It's like, yeah, the first thing you do is you you throw all every story that you want in the movie like on the canvas, and then you figure out a logical way that they can all kind of string together. It's like, all right, how about I show up to L.A., I'm crashing on my brother's couch, he gives me a card to go meet my manager, she says I can get you a gig at this open mic night. You know, it's like, then, you, then oh, we'll put that great open mic night story right there. Yeah. Oh, we'll put the thing with my brother in the Batman costume here or whatever. And then before you know it, you've got a whole storyline, and then you just flesh it out. And then, um, yeah, get get a bunch of comics together, read it. So, like, this new one we did readings with like Mike Kaplan and Matt Kirshen playing those two like whiz kids who work for the network or whatever. And they were great, you know, and who was the, um, who was the, who was, uh, Oh, so that there's the work for the network. Was that the, it was a, was that yeah, the British comic? Yeah. Yeah. Matt Kirshen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was great. And those two guys are together are great because I always felt like they were sort of similar guys, but like a, like a, uh, a British and American version of each other, sort Mike of. Mike Kaplan, I yeah, I know Mike Kaplan. Yeah, so yeah. they, so they both, both like. Just I thought played, I recognized. I yeah. thought I recognized them. Yeah, they played like the uh, the computer geniuses who who know everything about what the uh, social media you know formula is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, who was the girl? Who was the girl producer when you go? I'm in the room. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Michaela Watkins. How do I know She's her? She's great. She was on SNL for a little bit. Okay. She's on a show called Casual now on Hulu. Yeah, and she's great. Yeah, she just Yeah, and she she came on like the day before. Like that was crazy. She had to learn all that shit and then come in the next day and do it. It was God. amazing. Because I think that we were kind of forced to to hold out really <laughs> for a long time because they, you know, there was so much arguing about who was going to be in the cast and stuff like that. And so finally, um, you know, we all were extremely ecstatic when, when Michaela Watkins said that she'd do it and she nailed it. How many days did it take to shoot the film? Uh, it was 18 days. So it's three, three weeks of six days each. And then we had Sundays off and then, uh, there were a couple of pickup shots too. Um, and then several months to edit. I mean, the editing process took forever. Were um, you sitting in on that? Yeah. For a lot of it. And I'd show it to people and get their notes. Or just the best note that you can get is, well, nobody laughed during that. So we got to go in and fix it. You know? Yeah. That's, that's like extremely important. I find that so interesting because I've, like, I'll edit. I edit all my own stuff and I'll yeah. show it to people. And as soon as I start showing it to people, I go, I could have been cutting this out. This is boring. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, fuck, I need to show more shit to people. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's huge. Yeah. I, I always try to do that. Um, just the same way that, you know, when you do your stand up, you need to know whether, you know. Yeah. I need other people's approval yeah. to figure out where it's funny. Yeah. Because I have bits where I think are hilarious, and then I go, wow, that that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how we can be so – how you guys can like so much other stuff that I did, but this one idea I that I love, 
Yeah, no, I've had that too. And you really want them to to like it because it's like, I like this so much. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've had to throw away shit that I that I was trying that. I, and it could be that somebody else could do it and sell it perfectly, but I just wasn't it wasn't working for whatever reason. Yeah, we've chickens. Yeah, nice. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, I should probably let you wrap up about yeah, hour, hour 30. What what uh, what what tour dates do you have coming up? Uh, I got Bloomington, Indiana coming up. Bloomington, um, what is that? Com- that's the Comedy Attic. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I love it. It's, yeah, that's yeah. going to be the 28th. That'll be fun. Uh, or I don't know maybe it's like the thirtieth. Whatever, whatever goes into April first. That twenty eighth, twenty ninth. Yeah, yeah. First, I'm in. Uh, I'm in uh, Omaha that week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I got a San Francisco Docs Lab night that I'm doing. Um, a couple other things coming up. Fresno. Uh, I'm going to put a Chicago one on the books soon. Nice. There's, there's a bar I do called the North Bar over there. That's always a good time. Fuck yeah! Do you find so, do you yeah. find that it, it's that you you go over better with a, in like a bar vibe than um, as a comedy? Like, I, I, like a, I find myself doing more of those in the in the bigger cities because it's just the the clubs pay less and it's harder for them to justify importing a guy from L.A. when they have so many great local comics. So, um, yeah, the the bars uh, I think they work. I I think comedy clubs ultimately is ideal. But, um, it's, you know, it's tough. Like, I'm, chances are I'm not going to be doing a week in Boston. You know, I've done it before, but it's on a really small scale, you know. Yeah, well, I, I find I find that um, smaller scales, like smaller venues, um, I, f- I feel like I just enjoy them more. Yeah. Like, I, like I, did, I did a club in London. It was 100 seats, mm-hmm. 110 seats. Huh. Fucking loved it. Yeah. Loved it because it was intimate and I could... I didn't have to. I didn't have to monologue. There yeah. wasn't so many people that I had to do crowd control. Yeah, like the Wilbur. I was shocked at how great that was. I, yeah. I didn't think I'd like twelve hundred people. Yeah, but then I was in San Antonio. It was like four hundred and ten people, and I was mm-hmm. like, on oh, my late Saturday show, it was a fucking shit show. Like yeah. they were fucking lunatics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like legit lunatics. And I was yeah. like, I was like, fuck, man. And then I just did uh, uh, Portland two seventy five, and I was like, okay. Like yeah. that's a good group of people, but uh, I like the, I like the Funny Bones. I like the, there's these cool like uh, theaters that seat like three hundred. That I was like, oh, I could do some of those. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, the Irvine Improv now has got like four hundred or something like so that. I think it's I, I want to say it's fucking six. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, they're getting bigger names there. Yeah, well, yeah, I like that because guys like Gabriel were doing two weekends back to back there. And they were like, "Well, we could make double the money." Yeah, yeah. So Get a bigger venue. Yeah, it's a big market for those people. Fuck yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate this. I, I fucking love you. I think you are one <laughs> of the, the way, funniest I meant Irvine people. That's what I. In case anybody thought I meant something else, <laughs> Irvine people like their comedy. That's what I was saying. Wait, what did right. you say? <laughs> I said big market for those people. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, for comedian for for comedy fans. All right. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you doing this, man. I fucking dude. Thanks for having me. I man. love the movie, and I and I. You guys got to go see it. It's on Netflix. It's Finding Henry or Punching Henry. Yeah, and then uh, and then w- go watch right now. Go watch The Loner. It's on YouTube. On what's your YouTube channel's name? Henry, just Henry Phillips. Um, Henlips? yeah, HenryPhillips dot com is my website, and it's got all the all the links to all the YouTube videos okay. on and there. Your, and your and, and your, YouTube is Henlips. Yeah. yeah. 
And Twitter's hen lips. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Put, dude, put it. Do you have a Facebook page? I do. Yeah. Have you, have you uploaded those videos directly to Facebook? Um, no, I haven't done that yet with the loner. Yeah, I should do that. It's a good idea, huh? Oh my god. Yeah. Get. A t- I'll tell More you right now. See it. If you can, if you do it. I'll put it on mine, and I have a lot of Facebook fr- okay, friends. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, fa- Facebook fans, and I that you need to upload all those to your all YouTube pa- or to your Facebook page. Okay, and then I will share them on mine back to back to back, and I, I guarantee you, you will get no less than two hundred thousand views on each of them That's in a awesome. day. They're fucking. It is. That's great, man. Thanks. I'm so glad you like those. No, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go show them to my wife again right now. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Oh, you gotta see something he did. <laughs> but I appreciate this, man. Thank you. Yeah, very man. Much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This episode was brought to you by the machine.